0: Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. I have a new sponsor. It's the Business Relationship Alliance. That's the Bra Network, guys. I love the Bra Network. It's a network of female entrepreneurs that lift and support each other. Guys, I love this group. I've talked about it many times. They believe in collaboration over competition. They hire women in their own network first. And they have amazing elevated networking events and courses. I've taken many of them. Guys, I can't say enough about the Bra Network. Use my code, WARRIOR for 10% off an annual membership. Hello, Warrior Women. Thank you for spending time with me today. I know your time is precious, and you come here to laugh and learn and be inspired. And we're going to do all three today. We're going to do all three. We're all trying to take care of ourselves right now and put ourselves back on the list. But there are so many things that get in the way. Zoom calls, homeschooling, binge-watching Cobra Kai, well, Been drop watching Cobra Kai is actually my self-care. Have you not watched Cobra Kai? Do you know Cobra Kai? Cobra Kai is the series that answers the question, what happened to Daniel LaRusso and Johnny Lawrence after Karate Kid? I mean, it is so delicious and so naughty and so fabulous. You must watch it. It's so good. I even get my kids watching it. It's got 80s music. Trust me, this will make you happy. Watch Cobra Kai. They're not even paying me. I'm just giving you a little tidbit. I'm just saying. Anyway, today we're going to meet someone I have mentioned many times in this podcast. Actually, she is literally the reason I have a podcast. She's going to share her story though of beauty out of ashes and it's going to really just blow your mind. She's amazing. So, but first... Have you left us a positive review yet of this podcast? Please do. I would be grateful. If you leave me a review, every month I'm going to look at who's leaving me reviews and I'm going to put you into a little drawing to win my fabulous leopard slippers that I wear every day. They are fuzzy, they are fabulous, and I love them. So you will be entered. So leave a review. And on to our sponsor. Have you ever dreamed of having your own podcast? I did. And I launched it but I couldn't have done it by myself. I worked with Becky Harrington. BH Marketing saved me. They helped me launch my dream podcast. They helped me develop it, brand it, record it, publish it, and even promote it. If you're curious about launching your own podcast, look no further than BH Marketing. That's bhmarketingfirm.com. And tell them that Liz sent you. Use code WARRIOR for your special discount. If you want to spend some more time with me, go to thewarriormoms.co. On the website, you can read stories and articles on everything from marriage and parenting to recipes and gift guides. You can also sign up for and access the podcast there by clicking on the podcast link. And on with the show. Today, we are talking to my good friend, Becky Crawley. You have heard me mention Becky because she helped me launch this podcast. Becky has over 15 years of experience in marketing and believe me, She is a marketing genius. She has worked for agencies, foundations, podcasts, apps, books, subscription services, documentaries, regional and national events, both in business-to-business and business-to-consumer sectors. She specializes in unique content campaigns, digital strategy, funnel-based marketing, and is a Facebook advertising expert. For the last five years, she's been a part of the beta testing for nearly every new Facebook ad product out there before being released to the general population and is being interviewed to be on a panel for Facebook's new regional training events. Becky is married and is a bonus mom to one fabulous stepdaughter. That's right, my Pearl. I'm going to give her a shout
1: out because you know she's going to listen. Pearl. Hello, Pearl. Pearl. Okay. Welcome Becky. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. It's really fun to actually be on your podcast. (laughs) I mean, can you handle me right now? Like you did this. This is your fault. It is my fault. It is my fault. And we, we walked through all of the vulnerable moments and all of the great times. We did our mock recording here and now here I am on your real podcast. Let me just say
0: I think everyone who wants to do a podcast wants to do it, but they're terrified. And then they, okay. Even if they say, okay, I'm going to do it. Right. I'm going to hire Becky. Becky's going to get me through this podcasting. Oh my God. You have that moment halfway down the line where you have an absolute heart attack and say, who do I think I am? What I'm going to do a podcast. Who even cares about what I say? And you are so encouraging and so amazing And you just would not take anything from me. I was like, I do not understand this. And you were like, yes, you do. You figure it out. You're going to do it. I just had every excuse and you didn't let me get away with anything, Becky.
1: No, I didn't. I don't let anybody get away with it. It is a very vulnerable thing. I think podcasting is the most vulnerable uh, form of content you can do. And so it's natural to have that moment where you're like, wait a minute, do I really want to put myself out there like this? Really? Do I really want to do that? Yes. <laughs> so you need someone to tell you, yes, you do. Yes, and you know what? If we didn't,
0: then we wouldn't have all these fabulous podcasts that we love. I mean, I'm in love with podcasts. I listen to tons of them. So I mean, we wouldn't have it otherwise. So okay, so Becky, <laughs> I want to go back. I mean, I know you. I, I'm I, I know you in so many ways. But let's talk about how we met because it is like actually hilarious. So I was I was a host. MC at the More Than Me slash The Warrior Moms uh, Women's Empowerment Event. And you were a member of More Than Me. And you guys have heard me talk about More Than Me 100 times, but we're going to talk about it for the 101st time because it's the best thing in the world. Um, But this group of women, we had this event. And I had Tina Bataglia, talks with Tina. She got up on the stage and said, I'm going to start a podcast. And I thought, did that person just... Get up there and say to everyone that she was going to start a podcast. I want to start a podcast, but I'm too afraid to say that out loud. I couldn't believe her. She was so brave, just saying, I'm just going to do this. I don't even know what I'm doing. And then when I had heard from many people start a podcast, blah, 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 blah. and then someone said, Oh, you know who does podcasts? Becky. And I had just kind of met you like five seconds before.
1: Do you remember? Yeah, we that met lot? because Liz was the most fantastic MC. I was sitting in the crowd. I flew into LA because I go wherever t- ever Tiffany Smiley tells me to go. I've been doing that for a couple of years now. I travel to every More Than Me event, and it's been life-changing and life-giving and all of the things in between. And when I had no money, I pinched pennies and stayed with friends, and, but I've done it for the last few years. And so I just roll into LA, Beverly Hills, this fabulous, beautiful country club. Everyone there is dressed in like head-to-toe Chanel, I'm pretty sure, and I'm in my Target dress. We're looking fabulous. PS, and Liz was the best MC we've ever had. She was absolutely fantastic. And then we were going to lunch, and she was like, "Oh, just get in my car." And so oh, I did. <laughs> I oh, just, I
0: loved you from word one. I, well, first of all, when you told me, you told me that, you said, "Oh my god, you actually are one of the best MCs we've ever had." And Tiffany normally doesn't have an MC, I guess, because she court, sort of does her own events, and but she also speaks. So I said, "Oh my god." I don't know how you do that. Like, you're going to give like a keynote and you're going to run the show. Like, that's horrible. Don't do that to yourself. And she was like, well, now I never want to do it again because I want you to do it. Um, But you made me feel so good. Like, you made me, you were like, you were really like literally the best. Like, this was like the best thing in the world. And I was like, thank you for saying that because I was nervous. I didn't know how it went. I really hadn't like emceed an event like that before. So I was really having fun, but I I also want to do a good job. But I was really grateful. So yeah, I was like, get in my car, Becky. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Come with me, little
0: girl.
1: and we went to lunch. And then I, and then I flew home the next day and that was, you know, my fast trip, which is how more than me events go. And then I think you called me or texted, oh, no, me I or- texted you. I told you there, I want to do a podcast and you said, okay.
0: And I said, but I can't start it yet. I'm going to start it like, you know, cause this was like October or something. I don't know. I said, I'm going to, I can't, I got to set it like end of the year, next year. And then you sent me an email and you were like, if you want to do this, you got to sign this contract because I'm going to raise my prices. And I was like, don't! <laughs> no!
1: <laughs> so I signed. I was like, yes, okay, fine. Jan won. And I did it. She did it. And here she I am. She did it. And you were the fastest person I've ever had go through the program. She was very tenacious. And I think Liz, by far, she just follows everything that I told her to do. And it's why she's doing so well. So. And you're listen, a natural.
0: Listen, I listen. I recognize another boss when I see one. And I have to tell you from one boss to another, if I feel that you're smart or smarter than me, and you're a boss lay day, I will listen to what you say. I have no problem backing down to another alpha and saying, you take the lead. You just tell me where to go. You had your whole game down. You gave me a whole program. I had homework week one, week two, everything I was supposed to be doing, buy this, sign up for this. Now record this. Now write this. All the things you were having me do and just taking me down each week, all my homework. I was like, this is so well thought out and so smooth. It made the process of starting a podcast seem so easy. So I was just grateful and happy to just take your lead. So thank you for that. Thank you, Ms. Becky. But I really wanted to have you on today, and you know why, Becky, because I do know you even more, because Becky and I are in this awesome little executive circle together through More Than Me. We have a little, tight little group, and I've just gone gotten to know Becky so much better, but I want you guys to know her. She is a podcast maven. She is a marketing genius, but let's start at the beginning, Becky. What did you want to be when you grew up? What did you think you were going to be?
1: Well, I'm a Southern California girl. I was a surfer girl. I swam. I played water polo. So naturally... I spent all my time in the ocean. I was always like at the beach. And so I wanted to be a marine biologist and work at SeaWorld. That's what I I wanted to do. Why not? Exactly. That's. I had my Jacques Cousteau book. My dad bought me of like the fish and it was my favorite book. Like I looked at it every day. And then I got into junior high science and was like, oh, this isn't your path. <laughs> this is not your path. <laughs> Why? Because it was really hard. I hated science. I didn't want anything to do with it. I was like, "This is stupid." <laughs> so like, I don't want to you this <laughs>
0: stupid science. God, I mean, that's amazing. Okay, so you wanted to be a marine biologist. How did you end up at this at being a, in marketing and all of that? How did you? Or, or I get obviously. Well, you started in publishing first.
1: Yeah, I went to I went to to I graduated from Biola University and I went to school for business administration and I was I was always very creative and so when I got into the business world I was put in the marketing department. They were like this is where you belong and I started there and I succeeded and I exceeded quickly and mostly because I'm creative but I also am a really good technology adopter and at the time that I got into marketing everything was changing. I started at an agency where we did mostly email, print, and websites were like business cards. They weren't like real websites even. And I, was, I had been on Facebook OG since college. And so when businesses started coming to us and saying they wanted a Facebook page, they were like, oh, can the marketing coordinator, Becky, do that? And so I climbed the ladder because I, nobody wanted to deal with the technology and the technology started to outpace marketing. And, and so I just kept getting moved up and up because nobody else wanted to take on those skills. And, so, knew, and that was in your wheelhouse. You felt comfortable there. Yep. I felt comfortable. I
0: love that. And I love that you're, that's, what's amazing about you is that you, you have this like weird ninja sense about everything. Like if I say like, I don't know what's going on with my email list, Becky, I need some more subscribers. You're like, have you done this, 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 and this? And I'm like, well, fuck. No, I have not. Excuse me, my French. I have not done that. Like, I mean, you just like have this ninja sense of how to like make things that are not working work. And then you come up with these really creative ways to make them work. We came up with this quiz together, this pandemic. I wanted to do a quiz where you told me to do a quiz. You're like, you should do a quiz. You're funny. So I did a pandemic mom quiz. We're going to put it, we're going to put it in the show notes, but oh, you, all you have to do is text three three seven. Oh my God. Hello. 33777. You text the word warrior and you can find my pandemic mom quiz. Which pandemic mom are you? We'll put it in the show notes, but it was so fun doing it.
1: I was it's hilarious. It's a very fun quiz and all of your friends need to take it. We took it with our group of gals and we were dying laughing. It was I such laughing. good comic relief in a time where you feel like everything is uncertain and crazy and of course, Liz was great at it. She wrote, she just nailed every single person. And it was just, it was really fun. So please but do that's, Two, but three, that's, a, that's three an seven. example. Yeah, you got to take it. But that's an example
0: of like, you're thinking of ways to be creative and bring people in that are not painful. You know, you're not giving me painful assignments. So that's what I really appreciate you. But anyway, you're currently married to your very cute husband, but you were married before. You were married for eight years and then one day it all came crashing down. And when you told me this story, Becky, I literally was like, you? This happened to you? Like I really, you're so together. You, you really like are all you always show up ready to work. You're looking glammed up. You're ready to go. Well, not me today. I'm in my Rose all day hat, which I'll also put in the show notes. It's so good though. My Rose Alde. By the way, it turns pink when it and temperature changes. Okay. All right. Um, but you, I, you always struck me as such a like together, you know, woman, uh, uh, you know, you believe in women, you love, you're, you're such a lover and you're so smart and together. Then when you told me this story, I was like, how could this even happen? I, I really didn't, even, I couldn't believe it. But anyway, let's, let's talk about, do you mind talking about it and tell us what yeah. happened? Okay. Tell us.
1: I had a great life. I lived in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is one of my most favorite places in the world. And I had a wonderful job with a publishing company. I was doing research and development marketing, so which was just my wheelhouse. I, was, I specialized in digital acquisition. I loved everyone I worked for. Like I, It was a pretty large company. So it was like a city there. I worked with all of my favorite people. It was like going to my favorite place every day. I had a, a house in a neighborhood I loved, uh, two pugs and a picket fence and a garden and all the things and i had been married for 8 years and it was not it had not been easy for a while um it was it was a hard marriage had been hard for a while but i was i was outrageously committed to my marriage in fact i com- i contributed to a devotional called we outrageously committed to my marriage and i woke up one day from a nap and walked into my bathroom and my husband of the time was smoking out of a pipe something that I knew was not right. And I went on to find out that he was smoking meth, that he had been using meth for four years. And you had never, this is what it just blows my mind about this. You didn't see him doing it before you didn't like m- smell anything
0: or, or get a sense from him. Like can, can people on meth like actually hold it together on that level?
1: Yeah. Apparently he was smoking like a very pure kind of meth, So it didn't have the additives that the, the the when you see the pictures of the people with teeth rotting and stuff yeah, that's yeah. actually because of uh cheap fillers that people use so the the purity level of his meth was was high but he had been using for 4 years and when that came out everything else came out with it my life was nothing like i expected the police came to my house and took away items that were stolen My husband had been under investigation for home invasion and storage unit theft for years. And he would come home with all these great things that he got. And I just assumed we bought them and they weren't ours at all.
0: Oh my God. There
1: was affairs and, and he, the people that he had surrounded himself were on Colorado's most wanted list and nothing about my life. At all was safe, and so I naturally said, "You can't live here anymore."
0: And you could have been killed. He was hanging around with like this insane group of people. First of all, you could have, you could have, he could have given you something from these affairs or for whatever he's doing. He could have given you a disease, but also you could have been killed. Like one of these characters could have come to your house, pissed off at him for taking something, and like hurt you.
1: It had been going on for years, and so when I told him that you know he had to leave, that is when the stalking and harassing started. I had to call the police 12 times. On the 12th time was when I was actually physically harmed and he was arrested for domestic violence and physical harassment in our home. At that point, a domestic violence advocate is assigned to you. They come to your house and they meet with you and they go through everything with you. And I was sitting there, it was 10 o'clock at night in my house. And they sat me down and they said, can you leave? Can you leave tonight and can you never come back? If you choose to stay, we would prefer that you stay in a safe house. And they just went over statistics and they explained to me that this is the most dangerous kind of domestic violence that because we didn't have a history of it in our marriage, it's situational. He had made physical threats that he was going to end my life and, or he had had made threats that he was going to end my life. If I can't have you, then nobody can. And, um, and so I went to work the next day. (laughs) I went to work the next day. Um, that let's just stop right there. Let's just stop right there.
0: (laughs) They told you to leave and you went to work the next day. What are you talking about?
1: I did stay in a safe house. I stayed in a safe house for two weeks um, and I went to work the next day and my friends, I sat them down and I told them what was happening. And um, my work decided that the best thing for me to do was to go stay with my aunt just to get a break for a few days and kind of gather myself. She lived on the other side of the state. And as I was driving to my aunt's house and I was just, I mean, I was railing. I was railing at God. I was like, I have done nothing wrong. Why should I have to leave everything? Why should I have to- You were super devoted. You were devoted to your marriage. You were devoted to your faith. You felt like, what in the world? Why is this happening to me? Why should I have to lose everything when I didn't do anything? And I just heard God say in that moment, let's go on the road. You and I need to go on the road and get away from all of this for a while. And he said, "I'm less concerned about your physical needs. I'm more concerned about your ability to trust me." And so, at that moment, I resolved that I was going to go home. I was going to quit my job. I was going to pack up my home into a storage unit, and I had this 1996 horrible camping van that had been in my family since I was since the 90s we had my parents had given it to us because they were going to give it away and so we would used it as a camping van and I packed up everything I left my job and I moved into this horrible <laughs> it looked like a serial killer probably lived in it oh my god a van uh, with my two pugs and we traveled. Across the country, we lived in Utah and Idaho, and um, eventually I came into Oregon, which is where I am now. And and And,
0: this is this is the other thing that fascinates me about this story. First of all, how many times have I seen somebody, maybe at a restaurant, that is clearly living in their car? Now, again, you are at this event with me. You may have been in a target dress, but you look damn good. And you were just like with your fabulous hair, your black hair. And you were just so together. And when I think about you in that van, I, it literally, it, first of all, it breaks my heart, but it makes me know, you don't know what that person is going through, that person in the van right there. That person in the van may be in a low moment, but they they, they may be going through something in the moment, but but guess what, They're, they can get through it and look what happens. But you also said that there was a v- whole van culture. Like, cause I asked you, like, is it scary? Like because I would be scared. I'd feel really unsafe. I mean, God, you you already felt unsafe. So that was the most unsafe you could be. But I was like, what about your safety? But you said there's like a little bit of like a van culture. People were like, nice.
1: Like, tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Well, van life, if you, if you go on Instagram That's and just like put in, life. just put in hashtag van life and you'll see that there are a lot of 20 something millennials living out of Vance and having this fabulous life and with their kids and all of that. And I just need to tell you that this was nothing like that. I did meet up with a lot of these people and, you know, the perception on Instagram is that they, they work on the road and they, they're able to do all these things. And I, I was like, legitimately had to work. I had $23 in my bank account. When I, when I hit the road, I legitimately had to figure out what are you going to do? And so I would get up every morning. I had to put my dogs in, like, I used like apps for like doggy daycare and I would go to the public library and I would work all day, every day. And I remember asking when I was with this van life community, like, so how do you guys like deal with like internet and stuff? And they just looked at me and were like, dude, we don't really work. (laughs) We don't work. (laughs) We just rock climb all day here. I was like getting dressed up, going to zoom meetings. I started my podcast launch business. I was meeting with clients and I was, I started BH marketing firm in this environment. And, um, it was, you know, what I will say, my overall consensus about van life is dirt. There's Mm. always dirt all the time. Yeah, I showered in gyms and I dyed my hair in camper bathrooms and I I just did what I had to, but I met amazing people along the way. When I was in Utah, I, I pulled into this KOA because they didn't have BLM land, which is like free land that you can just park your van on. And the, the, it was winter time. Like it was snow, right? There was snow capped mountains and it was absolutely stunningly beautiful. And this, this couple on the KOA, there was like maybe one other motorhome there. And they were like, uh, hi, what are you doing here? This is the off season. And I kind of told them why I was there. And they just basically said, you can stay as long as you want. Like you don't need to pay. They gave me, they had these little cabins and, um, they let me work out of one of the cabins. They had internet in there. And so they were like, you can work out of the cabin in the daytime with your dogs. And it was, so I ended up staying there for a while, but people just kind of were protective and they, they took care of me. And I stayed at family members' houses. I stayed in driveways. Like I, I just kind of, I, I let God leave that time. And I, I let go of everything. I just let go of all the possessions, all the things. And I just got back down to basics. Um, yeah. And I think that was a core reason why I was able to bounce back from it so quickly.
0: Yeah. I mean, how, I mean that's that was my one of my questions. How did you bounce back quickly like what how did you learn to trust again? I mean I would be first of all paranoid as hell and be kind of cuz just because of the way you found out everything like you really did not know he was this person and then all of a sudden he turned into another person. So how yeah how did you bounce back from that and how did you trust again?
1: During the whole time that this was going on I worked for a Christian publisher, so I was surrounded by a lot of people who had faith. And I can't tell you how many times people who knew me and people who didn't really know me would walk up to me and say, I'm so sorry. I just feel really led to say this. And I absolutely don't know why, but God's just really telling me to tell you beauty out of ashes. And that was spoken over to me over and over and over again. And that promise that something beautiful is going to come out of all of this. And the thing about that is beauty out of ashes is from a verse in the Bible. And we love saying that to people when someone's going through grief, when someone, someone's going through terrible things, when they're going through a divorce, we like to say beauty out of ashes. And it's this encouraging thing to say to people because it's like, hey, I know this is hard, but there's going to be something beautiful. I promise you on the other end. But what people kind of forget about that verse is that for the ashes to be there, everything has to burn to the ground. Yeah. And that is what happened is everything burned to the ground. I wasn't vested in my 401k. I hadn't been in the company long enough. I lost my 401k. I lost my job. I lost my home. I lost all of my possessions, I lost everything in that moment. It had to all burn, not just part of it. All of it burned to the ground, but the promise was totally true. Everything that that was promised grew even more beautiful out of that. I do have one particular moment in that time that sticks out to me, and that I had written to some to a couple of my really close mentors at the time and said, "I'm in the middle of this. I don't want to ever forget this moment because it's going to be impactful someday." and We were packing up my house. Um, It was the day that the movers were going to come. They were going to take all of my possessions. They were going to put them in a storage unit just to pause my life. And one of my friends owned a security company. And not like your run-of-the-mill mall cop security company. It was these guys have been in the Secret Service. They are highly trained. They usually protect um, high-profile individuals And he said, I want to send somebody to your house on the day that you move out. I'm just concerned. We don't know if people are watching your house. We don't know you know, if it's safe. And in my mind, I, I had friends and people I cared about coming that day. And so I was like, obviously, yes, I want some, that's a great idea. Thank you for the offer. I knew this was an expensive thing that he was giving me. Um, but I, I said yes to it. That's one of the things that I did during that time is anytime somebody offered me something, I just said, yes, I didn't get my ego involved. I just said, yes. Yes, And so, he showed up at my house. He was the first one there and he came in, he needed to evaluate all the exits and he came up with this safety plan. And I very quickly realized that he was not there to protect my friends. He was there specifically. He had been assigned to protect me and that I was, I was the assignment. And so the plan was that if someone came, everyone would leave in their cars and he would come and personally get me and escort me out. And the whole day, He was sitting with his car running in the front of my house, eyes on me, eyes on me the whole time. Anywhere I I went, if I was in the front, if I was eyes on me, I was watching my moving truck drive away from my house and just not even knowing like, am I ever going to see any of this again? You know, watching my life drive away and this man, this, this person, I don't even know eyes on me. And I just heard the Holy spirit say, That has been me the whole time. That's been me the whole time. You have had private personal security detail the whole time. Every moment during this time when you thought you were safe, but you weren't, I was on detail. Right now, I think this is especially a really good message. I'm in Oregon. We're on fire. We're going through a pandemic. We have social unrest. Nothing about our life feels safe right now. And the thing is that safety isn't actually a guarantee. Safety is not a guarantee, but protection is available all the time. It doesn't mean that you won't lose. I did lose everything, but it doesn't mean that I wasn't fully and wholly protected. Nothing bad actually ever happened to me. There were a thousand scenarios of bad things during the time that I didn't know. And after the time that I did know that could have happened to me, I could have been
0: right. That's exactly what I was saying. I'm amazed that you weren't killed or hurt or something else didn't happen.
1: You were being protected the whole time. was protected the whole time. And that's because I know where to put my eyes when things go bad, because things will go bad in our lives, right? Like everything can happen. Oh, things are going bad now for <laughs> Things are bad things, now. are bad. things are bad. Yeah. Running a business is never not hard, even when you're successful. The more success you have, the more problems you have. But I know exactly where to put my eyes. I know where my, my, my eyes are set. And as a result of that, I am steady. I'm steady and I can keep going. And I'm not, I'm not going to be curled up in a ball on the ground because I have something stronger holding me up all the time. And that's how I got through. It's only been three years. So next week will be three years since this happened. And it's only been three years and here I am in three years and you have completely rebuilt your life.
0: No one would even guess that three years ago, you could have had this going on. Mm -hmm. The last thing anyone would know. It is insane to me. I can't even believe how far you've come in three years. It's shocking. And, and well, I mean, you, you kind of said it, but what do you think if you had to tell everybody, Living through that, everything you just said, you were protected the whole time. You know where your faith is. You know that's what keeps you steady. What is the biggest lesson? The biggest takeaway? Big overarching takeaway? You would say to somebody right now who is going through something as bad as this, or just bad, or just what? What would you? What would you say? The biggest lesson and takeaway, and what would you say to them?
1: In your mind, you think that losing your stuff is the worst thing ever. And the truth is that it wasn't the worst thing ever, you know, a year and a half after all of this happened, I was able to go unpack that storage unit. And when I got to that storage unit, I didn't want any of it. I actually took almost all of it to the goodwill. I had been living a legit minimalist lifestyle. So I had 32 pieces of clothes total in my mind. I was like, Oh, I can't wait to get back to my wardrobe. Right. And I unpacked all of my wardrobe and I took most of it to the Goodwill. I didn't even want any of it anymore. It wasn't me anymore. None of it felt right. And so I think when you're going through a horrific time, we have a tendency to just keep clinging to the things Mm. and the things don't matter. You can buy new things. You can have a whole new life. Let it go. Just walk away getting back to the core of your soul and the core of your being is going to help you overcome a big challenge like that so much faster if you just let the dust go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so impressed by you. I can't even believe it. Let's talk about your life now. Now, uh, this is what I love the most because I follow you on Instagram personally and professionally, of course, because I'm smart. I love when you post your garden stuff. And on the weekends, you really like, by the way, I'm going rogue right now, by the way, this is not written down anywhere. I love watching you on the weekends because you like dial out. You're like, oh, you're either going to be like, oh, I want to learn this thing over the weekend. So I'm going to like lock myself in a room until I learn this program or create this thing I want to create for my business. Or you're like churning butter. You're harvesting your vegetables and your eggs from the garden. You're, you, you literally are like, sometimes you look like a Quaker and farmer and then other times you're like a CEO. And I, I, so every weekend I get a treat. I'm like, what's happening now? Is she the Quaker farmer or is she the CEO? What's just happening?
1: So my husband and I were sitting in our, in our backyard last night. Uh, we were, we harvested, like I'm talking a giant like basket of green beans, like so many green beans and they had to be washed and then they had to be like all of them clipped and then we had to flash freeze them. And that is a typical evening in my house is like, we, we have like a, a quasi farm. In our little suburban neighborhood we do have a pretty big property. If I had had my own choice in life, I think I would have been a pioneer woman. I think For that sure. heaven, like okay. Becky's heaven is like she's going to be like Laura Ingalls on her farm, like legit making pies, baking bread and doing all the things. Um so that that's just how I prefer to like spend my time and I just I like simple living my husband, um, his family were homesteaders. They came over from Ireland and they homesteaded in Washington. And so he like, he knows more about this than I do. I've, I've been a hobby farmer for a long time, but he has helped me take it to the next level. Cause he knows so much more about it. And we can, we, I mean, with every weekend for the last few weeks, we've been canning flash freezing, you know, we love to just, we like to scratch bake and I just think it's fun. So you just got married, you got married during COVID and just tell me about, first of all, tell me
0: like kind of how you met and like all these things. And then also tell me, tell me a little bit about your getting married in COVID. I need to know a little bit about that.
1: Okay. So I, when I got to Oregon, it was, it was June. It was absolutely beautiful here. And I didn't know anybody. I'd been on the road for a while by myself and I was like, it just wasn't fun to enjoy this place by myself anymore. And so I thought, you know, maybe I'll try online dating. Um, and I, so I, of course, this is how Becky does online dating, right? Online dating really wasn't a thing when I, you know, did dating the first round. And so I did my research. I did my research ahead of time about online dating. And I joined all of the dating sites because, I wanted to maximize. I wanted to just really, you know, test the technology, get an understanding yeah, of all people, out there, mm-hmm. where what who's on what market, right? Like understanding where your market's at. Yes. Also, I discovered some some key factors. One is that 80% of online dating does not end up on a date because the men are satisfied with the chatting conversation. Okay, this Whoa. is important for ladies to understand if you're in this situation. So I just didn't do that. I did none of the chatting. So they could, you know, they could, you know, say hi, blah, 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 maybe two or three back and forth. And then I would be like, great. If you want to get together, like here's some options. And they were all very casual public things. I had some options. That was my call to action. I'm in marketing, right? Call to action. Call to action. Yeah. And also I didn't know how long I was going to be in Oregon. Then I really did this so I could get out and like do some things, right? Oh, hello. And I had 14 dates in 14 days. So. <laughs> I mean, what? Yes. The 20 the, the something or... girls, the 20 something girls in Colorado got wind of this and wanted to have a call with me to talk about how I was being so successful well, in my online like dating. You need to
0: open like a dating company or something. I don't know. That's
1: so, your question. My 14th date was Nick. And I just knew from that moment, like that he was I and was how like how did you know? Um well first what of all it about him. There was a couple of key things. One, um he wanted to talk on the phone. He was like, I would like to speak on the phone before our date. And I was like, okay, you know, that seemed like a responsible thing to do. You wanted to kind of get to know me first. The other thing is every other guy was like, Oh, it's so cool that you live in a van, right? Like, and because I don't know, they thought it meant I was spontaneous and blah, yeah. blah, blah. None of these you're things. Like I really actually... Like you're a rebel, right? Yeah. Rebel, probably hot, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was very disapproving of this whole lifestyle. He was like, I don't think it's safe. I really don't want, th- this is not like, I, I just, I really, this needs, to, this needs to go soon, right? Like this needs to stop. Um, because I care too much about you. And I thought that was just like completely different. Um, and also just his big brown eyes and, you know, Aww. all the things. Aww. And so, yeah, we, we ended up dating and then I had to go back to Colorado because this whole thing was, I was staying out of Colorado until the trial. And so then I had to go back for a few months for the trial. And I really wasn't sure what I was going to do after that. After the trial, I could kind of reenter my life and um the day after the trial was done he contacted me and said here's the plan you're going to move back here we're going to date for a little bit longer and then we're going to get married and that's just how it's going to be so (laughs) and you were like that sounds like a great plan i'll be right there i was like all right and a month later i moved to oregon for real and moved back into a home and uh then we got married in march we got uh engaged in december and so we just didn't care about this whole, we were just like, you know what? We just want to get married and move on with our life. Like, come on. We're, you know, we're, we're too old to wait around. We don't have any more time. So, um, also, you know what, again,
0: back to possessions aren't important. What is really important? You love this man. You want to get married. You're marrying him. You're not marrying all the friends that are there that would come or the wedding planner that would, do, you know what I mean? It's not about all that stuff. It's about this man and you, and you wanted to get married and you did. And you were like, we want to do it. And you, the pictures are so sweet. I love the pictures so much. I was like, who took the pictures?
1: Girl <laughs> took the like, pictures. What person was there? Girl <laughs> took the pictures. <laughs> Pearl
0: took the pictures. Let me say, she's a good photographer. But well,
1: we have really nice camera
0: equipment, so. <laughs> oh, I, I'm... Rest, Pearl. I'm going to hire you to do some, some marketing photos for me. Thanks Pearl. Um, Oh my God, that's amazing. And so what has happened to the ex person? Can I be happy? Is he in jail? Where is he? That person. Do we know?
1: Yeah. So they don't do jail time for, um, for first time offenders. Oh. Um, yeah, that's not even on the table. So, um, he had to serve, uh, 18 months of probation and his life was made really difficult essentially, um, and then there's just a permanent res- no contact order and, um, that the, the, uh, his probation time has ended and I didn't know what was going to happen after that, but it's been quiet. And I have done a lot of good things to, to, uh, to protect myself. I changed my name twice actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been really good. I was going to ask
0: you that. Cause I thought, okay, yeah. Like I
1: would think that would be something you that would be I changed my name immediately when I left, and so I have done a lot of things to protect myself. Um, but talk you know, about, we know,
0: talk about. Let me just stop right there for one second. You gave up your entire identity. You get because your identity was devoted wife, devoted worker. Right, work worker B. Right. I mean, you gave up literally your whole identity, even your name to get away from this person. I mean, that is that is ashes. That is ashes, right? But look at what has happened. I mean, I just I mean that's really what it took. That's what it took to grow something this amazing and beautiful. Yeah. It really is. It's it's really mind-blowing to me. But to have to give up even your name, like most people cannot even understand to be down on that level of that level of ashes, although we all are feeling a lot of this right now but giving up your name two times not even once twice but look what you got
1: yeah and i you know if the thing that people don't know is that the system doesn't really make it very easy for domestic violence survivors to survive they don't they don't make it easy i had to fight um in particular i had a woman that i met here in oregon um, who I'm on the board of directors for this organization. Now I have been for the last two years, but when I came to Oregon, um, I was dealing with some things where I was, I was basically his, his lawyers were trying to pressure me into a way of outing my location, um, during the process. And there was just some things and the law was pressuring me a judge. I had a judge pressure me and she stood up and fought for me. She stood up and she fought um, for my did identity. I didn't want you to reveal your location. What was that going to do? I think so during the time, the tactic that the, um, the tactic that the lawyers were trying to use was that they were trying to, they kept prolonging the trial. It was supposed to happen in March and then it was supposed to happen in July and then, you know, August and it didn't end up happening for an entire year and one month oh after His arrest. So it was a very prolonged process and it kept getting prolonged. And they wanted to pressure me out of just quitting. They wanted to pressure me into just quitting and not testifying and just giving up on the case because without me, there was no case. And so everything that they do is high-pressured tactics to try and get you to quit. Yep. And most um, domestic violence cases don't go to fruition because. The women do quit, and they have a lot more on the line um, if If I had had kids, I would not have been allowed to leave the state. I would have had to stay in a safe house for that entire time, and some yeah. people can't they can't continue that life. It's too much yeah. um, in so many ways, I was a fortunate person because I could do the things that I did, um, but I still had to fight, and the the laws don't make it easy. Um, but essentially this woman, she came in and she basically advocated on my behalf. She took basically solace of me in Oregon and said, no, she's part of this organization and I'm you're in between me and her. And she just fought, she fought so hard for me. And now I work with her to fight for more people, um, that need to have their identity protected and that need to have, um, do you want to name the organization or no? Yeah. It's thrive central Oregon. Okay. And we help I'm gonna put that in the show notes. Cause it's, amazing. yeah, we help people with, um, what do they need right loans. now? Do they
0: need funds? Do they need, what do they need?
1: We always need funds. Um, okay. we're also, we provide housing and, um, uh, housing and utility assistance to people in, um, financial insecurity, So we're, we're tapped right now. Our organization is tapped because of COVID. Imagine, Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, that's something, uh, you know, I, I I had a Carrie, uh, who owns the broad network, another amazing, great women's organization I belong to. She was, she worked for a long time uh, in the domestic violence sector. And she thinks she the thing that made her so sad. She said, there's all these resources out there. And a lot of people don't know how to get them or like that they even exist. But I, I was saying to her this time during COVID must be the craziest time because you are basically forced to live with your abuser and there's no let up, right? Like you, the person's not going to work. The kids are home. It's like taking a already high pressure situation and making it a hundred times worse. So it really, it, I really feel for that, but we'll put the um, information of in the show notes, but tell me how, tell me how you met Tiffany because We're both in more than me and we can't say enough about this organization. And I have to say, I was talking to Tiffany the other day and I said, you know, I belong to a bunch of organizations because I really believe in girl power and I really believe we can't do it alone and that we need help and we need support. But one thing that continues to impress me about more than me is how much heart there is, that it's not just networking. It's not just like, what do you do? Well, what do you do? Tiffany spends a great deal of time working with people to develop whatever their interest is or their passion or ta- give them kind of some kind of guidance in their career as she and she connects people and she inspires people. She does all these things
1: because she's such an inspirational person. But how did you meet Tiffany? So, Tiffany, I when I was traveling around in van life, I did post a lot of pictures and, 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 different things, um, on my journey, like cows that came up to my van and just, you know, all <laughs> the things that happened on my journey. And, but I had wrote, um, one day, just kind of some things, um, about what was going on in my heart. And I don't actually know how Tiffany found it. We didn't, we don't have, we didn't have any person in common. We had no, nothing like nothing in common. Um, and I didn't even know This is where it was. Where it was? Huh? Instagram. Instagram. Uh So she read this post on Instagram and she sent me a direct message and said, I would love to talk to you on the phone and hear your story. And I was like, what? (laughs) Who talks on the phone? (laughs) So she set up a time and I, I was literally in sitting in the middle of a campground and I had this two and a half hour conversation with her and just told her everything about what happened in my life? And she said, I I know you're going through a lot right now. I was, you know, still in the middle of the trial year. I couldn't do a lot of things. I had a a lot of limitations on what I could do, but she said, when you're done, you're going to come and join me with more than me. And we're going to go and travel around the world. (laughs) And I was like, okay, And then I, you know, we stayed connected on Instagram, the way you do, you like each other's posts and whatnot. Yes. yes. And this was in July and, but we hadn't talked since. And on November 8th was the day of the trial. I had been in trial all day long. I had been, I had testified for eight straight hours. I had been run through the ringer with lawyers. I was exhausted, but we won And I picked up my phone for the first time that day. And there was Tiffany smiley. And it said, I want you to meet me in Boise. And she didn't even know the date because when I talked to her in July, I thought that the trial was going to be in August. She had no idea that that was the day of the trial and here she was. And I did go meet her in Boise. And then I've gone every single other place that she's told me to go since. Yeah. Well, she has
0: amazing events, but even more now she's brought it all online, which is great. So we can like attend all these things. She has, she has like experts that come in and talk about things and she has networking call. I mean, my God, she's a book club. Like I, I literally am into every single thing she does. Like everything she does. I'm like, now what's this? Oh yes, me. Yes. I, I literally, anything she says to do, I do it. So I'm looking forward to traveling around the country when I can, and going to all the events. Cause I know they're going to start again. Um, but for now, I'm just happy to have my little online more than me connection. And I'm even more grateful to Tiffany now because I know I would never have my Becky if I didn't have my Tiffany. So I'm just so thrilled that I got to meet you. And I'm so glad you came to LA. I go everywhere she tells me to go. So <laughs> I, mean, I love you, Becky. I-, I love you so much. All right. We're doing the speed round now, Becky. We're, we're in the home stretch. Do you you want to stretch out? I'm ready. Stretch? I'm
1: ready. Okay cocktail of choice. I love me a Malbec. Oh, yeah. First I like spicy to say that first person. <laughs> That's my drink of choice is a Malbec.
0: <laughs> I kind of love that. That's fancy of you. I know. <laughs> okay. Mantra or quote you live by. I know you're going to have a good one. You probably have five, but let's,
1: let's pick one. I think right now, more than anything that I'm learning that we're better together that we don't need to go alone. And the, the more people that you have along your side, the better you're going to be. And even if that, that takes a lot of vulnerability for women. And it also means that sometimes you have to deal with competition and all these ugly things that we don't like to deal with. But I have learned over the last few years that I am better because of the women who are surrounding me.
0: Oh, I, that is so well said. And I couldn't agree more. What simple thing do you do for yourself, a self-care tip? Because this is something I ask every single wor- warrior woman and you sure are one, but I love it because everyone has a different answer. And I, I feel like this is, if we don't do self-care right now, we are going to implode. So what do you, what do you,
1: what small little thing do you do? You're probably going to hate my self-care tip because oh my, go ahead. it's, I, I don't think, I don't I think most cabra women cabra. would agree with me, but I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on meetings from like seven in the morning until like five. I like work, work, work. And I, I have a really, I work from home. So I have a really good thing that I do, which is I make dinner. And that is how I transfer from work to home. And I don't just like throw together a meal. I do a, I like to, to make a meal from scratch, like do all the things. And for some reason, for me, it's just time that I just take and I disconnect from my work life into my back, into my personal life. And I just find cooking really relaxing, but most people would not agree with that. No, they you what? Like, my husband has this. This my is not self-care. No,
0: <laughs> but My husband gets into it. He's the chopping and the thing, yeah. and this in the pan and the deglazing and the things and the marinating. And he, he really gets into it. And I, I think it is a little bit Zen when you have a plan, I, I have to have yeah. meal plans. I cannot yeah. just be like going in the fridge and be, oh, let me figure no. this
1: out. No. I don't know how to do that. I don't I know either. how to do that. I don't either. So what do you like to cook? I really like to, I have a lot of cookbooks. I'm really obsessed with um, both of the Magnolia cookbooks right now. I've been cooking out of her, I yes. just got the new one. Yes. And every recipe is a winner in that thing and comfort food and all the good things. So I've been just cooking my way through that. And then also there's another cookbook called Half-Bake Harvest. That I really like. Okay. And um, her Instagram is insane. I mean, oh my god, gonna check
0: that sweet. out. Half baked harvest. Okay.
1: Half baked harvest. And so those are my three go tos right now. But I, I really like doing a recipe I've never done before. Like yeah. And having to really kind of get into it and learn it and do all the Put things. Your attention on it and yeah. yeah. It yeah. just disconnects me from all the other things.
0: Yes, I am obsessed right now with my friend Christina's OPA. It's called OPA Greek Cooking. It is the healthiest, but yet most flavorful. I cannot say enough about that. And then Chef Katie Chen, who just came on the podcast, she is a Chinese uh, chef and I bought her book. It's like everyday Chinese cooking. I just, I'm like, you know what? I figured in the fall, like now the kids are back, I'm going to like do my little Julie and Julia and cook my way through the Chinese cooking book because that's like something different and fun.
1: Yeah. Love it. Um, Okay. What makes you feel unstoppable? I have always been a good behind the scenes person. So I actually feel most unstoppable when I'm making other people successful. That's my, that's my thing. I like to work behind someone and help them see success. And I have a couple of clients right now who are just really seeing massive success, and they're starting to get to unstoppable places. And I just, that to me is like the most amazing thing.
0: Well, you do such a good job of making everyone a success. Everyone that I've ever seen you work with, I'm like, how the hell is she doing that? Who did that for you, Becky? I'm like, oh my God, of course that's who did it. Like, I mean, every answer leads back to
1: you. Um, Who do you most admire? So Rick Lawrence, Um, he's my mentor, my BFF, he's my original, my OG podcast, co-host author of the Jesus centered life. Um, but he is the person that when, um, in fact, Rick Lawrence is the person that I called the day that, uh, the, the victims advocates left my house in tears. And he walked through every hard moment of that entire journey with me. And I don't know how I would do life without him. He's like, like a big brother and a dad and, um, and a mentor all in one. So
0: that's amazing. That's amazing.
1: What's exciting you the most right now? Let's be excited about something, even though the fires are burning. So this is going to sound terrible, but recessions are actually really, um, important times in marketing because re- recessions are actually displacement market markets, It's a time when the little guy can displace a big guy. And during non-recession times, it's a lot harder for new people to enter the market and actually make a difference. Uh, You have to work a lot harder. You have to have a lot of luck (laughs) in some ways. You have to have good connections uh, or a lot of money, (laughs) a lot, a lot of money. But recession times are when when little people come in and displace because what happens is big companies start to shrink. They, they tighten budgets, they tighten all this stuff, they cut back, they cut employees, they do all these things because they just want to survive. And so it makes it really easy for the little guy to come in and get in front of them. And so I, I just like that in my industry, especially because I work with a lot of the small startups um, that are doing big things. I like the idea that we're in a market where we can run ahead of people.
0: That is an incredibly awesome and positive way to look at that, that you're totally right. This is the time that a little guy could beat out a big guy. It is because you know what? Everybody's online. Everybody's kind of the the great equalizing sort of happening right now. So that's a really, that's a really positive, awesome thing. It really is. Becky, our time together has ended, but I see you all the time. So I don't feel
1: sad, but I'm so glad that you came on today. Thank you, Becky absolutely i'm so excited thank you for having me liz and thank you for this podcast lady you told me it was going to change my life and it did
0: thank you for changing my life becky i love you <laughs> all right thank you from everybody for joining us i'm all choked up now remember to subscribe on itunes google play or spotify and if you enjoyed the show leave us a review this is conversations with warrior women podcast with me liz Swanick. And remember, every woman has a story, you just need to ask her. Bye guys. Bye.